Today we're going to be talking about I am who he says I am, friend of God. Friend of God. Go ahead, sing it, Aaron. Thank you, Marzette. Thank, I knew you were going to do that too, Aaron. I was like, I bet you Aaron's going to dr- Awesome. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I, I'm pretty excited. Oh, we're going to talk about friend of God. We're going to talk about a lot of stuff. Um, really quick, let's just open up with uh, Exodus 33, 11. That's right, guys. We're going to the law real quick. It's going to be that kind of sermon. Thus, the Lord used to speak to Moses face to face as a man speaks to his friend. When Moses turned again into the camp, his, son, his assistant almost said his son. Dog, I, I need glasses or something. His assi- assistant doesn't even look a thing like son. Like, what's wrong with me? His assistant Joshua, the son of none, father of many. <laughs> a young man would, guys, you got to keep up with me, man. I'm like Rodney Dangerfield up here. Would not depart from the tent. God would speak to Moses as a man would speak to a friend. He would leave and go into the camp, and Joshua would stay in the tent with God. Amen? Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this time, Lord. Uh, We just thank you, God, that you've met us, God, that you are here with us during worship, God. We just praise you, God, and we love you, Lord, and we just pray that um, we could all just learn something in this moment, God, that you would guide my tongue, and it would be all of you, God, and um, none of me, Lord, in Jesus' mighty name, amen. So, you know, friendship's a fundamental topic. Uh, Today's sermon is titled Friend of God. Uh, There's also a bonus title that uh, someone, I'm going to shout out them later, kind of gave me. Uh, The bonus title is that one where we were friends of God. No one here watch Friends or something like that? What's the matter with you guys? Come on now. That's every single Friends episode is that one where... Sorry, Mrs. Willis. I I thought it was dynamite. I thought it was so good. Well, shout out to Mrs. Willis for that stroke of genius. (laughs) I'm deflecting everything onto you guys. It's all your fault. Like, I'm I'm not owning anything today, which that's a real problem. I should really go before God on that, but what are you going to do, right? So, friend of God. You know, friends are an awesome thing. You know, um, a lot of us have mixed feelings about friends. We've got good friends. We've got really bad friends. Um, I want to share you guys a story about a very good friend near and dear to my heart. You guys may know him as Pastor Wes. Now, this story doesn't come from the amazing time where we know Pastor Wes. And, I mean, he's already a handful, right? I mean, all of us have stories in this house of times where, man, he's just messed us up good time. And that's the redeemed version of him. My God, someone pray for us. So this is before he even knew Jesus. So we all know where this is going, right? It's, it, well, you're about to find out. 2012, Ms. Hines class, Coronado High School, government. Senior year, government class. Everybody said, hey, man, just do government on summer school. And I said, you got to pay for that, dog. I'm going to just take it for free. Well, not free. You guys all paid your tax money for it, so thank you for that. I got to go to school on your tax money. That's awesome. So anyways, um, <laughs> So we're in there, and Pastor Russ has a bright idea. He says, hey, man, we got to take this test real quick. How about you do one side, I do the other side? We flip, just copy each other's tests. You put 100% effort on one side. I'll put 100% effort on the other side. That 200% will equal an A for the both of us. And I sit there like, bro, you, you, you had me at hello. Like, yeah, that's it right there. And so we go through, we do it, man. I'm just earning and burning, you know what I mean? I'm just cashing checks and snapping necks all over this test. Like, this test is getting messed up by me. And I look over at Pastor Wes, I'm like, you, you ready? And he, you know, I let him go first, ever the gentleman, truly. Right, baby? All right, good. She nodded. I was a little, I was a little nervous how that was going to go. So he copies it down, goes good, and I was like, mm-hmm. you know, we're trying to be quiet. I'm like, mm-hmm. okay, cool. So this is what, I get down to the second question, and Ms. Heinz goes, Thomas, what are you doing? And this is what Pastor Wes does to me. 
Thomas, you're copying my test? Right under the bus. I, I, I cannot even begin to explain the disappointment I felt. But first, there was the fear of, oh my God, my teacher caught me, and my best friend has just taken me. A Judas, he has sold me for that A. He sold me for that A. And I, gracefully, I accepted a lower letter grade on that test, but she let me continue it. She didn't take it from me and flunk me. She, she just let me have a lower letter grade. And Pastor West had the audacity at the end of class to say, two of your questions were wrong. <laughs> and had the audacity to be upset with me that I had messed him over. Ain't that just, right? I mean, I don't even know what to say to that right now. I'm like, what kind of friend? And he's the lead pastor of this church. Guys, we're in trouble. I won't get away with this because he's not here right now. He's going to come back next week and we're all gone. And guys, where'd you go? We heard what you did to, Pat, to teacher Thomas. And then that's just, um, yeah, that's not good. God doesn't like that stuff. So then I'll have committed an abomination according to the book of Proverbs. And then I got to go through that whole process. I got to, you know. So how about we all just stay in church and we just come back next week? Cool. If we leave, it's for a legitimate purpose. All right. Let's just, let's just hold back on that. Okay. <laughs> Please don't leave. <laughs> so friends can be a bit of a mixed basket, right? And what's amazing is just like fathers, right? Just like bosses, right? How, how God is the ultimate version of each one of these things. Even if we've had a bad experience with a boss, even if we've had a bad experience with a father, we've had a bad experience with a friend, shout out Pastor Wes, right? Um, we know that God, though, God is the perfect version of it. So if anything, these bad experiences only enhance the good ones, right? So every time I want to sit there and go, man, I just feel like God doesn't love me. I just think about that moment with Pastor Wes, and I go, you know what? Compared to Pastor Wes, right? The, compared to that moment in government class, God must really be a good friend. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? But seriously, though, God is the greatest friend, and that's something that we all have to really get a hold of. You know, the Bible would say that he's a friend who sticks closer than a brother. You know, that means that his tie with you is stronger than blood, right? His tie with you goes beyond anything. It, it, it's so one-sided at times because God never stops loving us. But man, sometimes, sometimes, man, we stop being good friends to God. Amen. Amen. You know, you've, you've, I, I know we all have bad stories of being of, of, of like bad friends in our lives. And we go like, man, they really just screwed me. Oh, and you were just the one. And I can't believe I'd never do that. But then it's like, you forget about all the times where you just like, man, you were just the worst kind of person. Like, you know, like you stole someone's like boyfriend or girlfriend or something like that. You talk crap on the road about them on the desk. You know what I mean? I'm sure, I mean, I've never done that before in my life because I'm such an amazing friend, but, but I'm sure someone in this room has had a moment like that, right? Where you've just been so bad to your friends. Um, <laughs> but, but honestly, thinking about that, sometimes we're a bad friend to God. You know, and, and there's no shame in that game. Man, I, I spent years looking back on it, being such a bad friend to God. Like, wait, God wants to be my friend? Well, then that means I should probably spend time with God. I should probably talk to God about things going on, right? I should probably just get to know God. And I said, I'd be like, but you know, I got an Xbox. And I got Netflix on demand on my Wii, which that was so weird, but I could watch Netflix on my Wii. That was, those are better times, you know what I mean? Simpler times. <laughs> Stop it. I'm, I'm, I'm talking to people. Stop it. Okay, anyways, sorry, Isaac. I'm deflecting again, my bad. <laughs> It looked like you. <laughs> so anyways, um, 
we have a responsibility to God, and we just kind of shirk that responsibility sometimes because we think, you know, God's fine. God's got plenty of friends. If you think you're a friend of God, go ahead and raise your hand. Go, right, okay, well, not, not all of you rose your hand. Okay, that is some scary stuff. But that is awesome because that's what I'm going to talk about today. Guys, this is perfect for the sermon. And sometimes we go, you know, God already has enough friends. I, I'm sure if I took a break and didn't talk to him for, for a minute, he's going to be just fine, right? And, you know, that's just not really the case. Amen. Um, that permeates something that we call the Moses syndrome. Does everyone know what the Moses syndrome is? You know, I don't really need to talk to God because they talk to God. You know what I mean? I don't really need to be that close to God because they are. Amen. So let's go to Exodus 33. We're going to start in verse 1. We're going to read through verse 11. And I'm actually going to read this entire chapter, so deal with it. So Exodus 33, verse 1. The Lord said to Moses, depart from Mount Horeb. Go up from here, you and the people whom you have brought up out of the land of Egypt, to the land of which I swore to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, saying to your offspring, I will give it. Man, he's saying, go and get your promise. I promised it 400 years ago. Last time he actually promised it. I will send an angel before you, and I will drive out the Canaanites, the Amorites, the Hittites, the Perizzites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites. Dang. Go up to a land flowing with milk and honey, but I will not go up among you, lest I consume you on the way, for you are a stiff-necked people. Let's hold up there really quick. I just read in verse 11 where it said that God would speak to Moses of Moses, right? So obviously that means he's in the midst of Moses. Yet he said, I won't go up with you because if I'm in your midst, I will consume you, for you are a stiff-necked people. So it sounds like there's a contradiction right there. Does No, there isn't. There isn't. Trust me. Trust me. Let's just keep going. Verse 4, when the people heard this disastrous word, that's a word for it, they mourned and no one put on his ornaments. For the Lord said to Moses, say to the people of Israel, you are a stiff-necked people. If for a single moment I should go up among you, I would consume you. So now take off your ornaments that I may know what to do with you. Next verse. Therefore, the people of Israel stripped themselves of their ornaments from Mount Horeb onward. Now Moses used to take the tent and pitch it outside the camp, for off from the camp, sorry, far off from the camp, and he called it the tent of meeting. See, this right here explains it. Why would God be in the midst of Moses but not in the midst of the people? Like, what's, what's, what's going on? Well, I mean, here's your answer. And everyone who sought the Lord would go out of the tent of meeting, which was outside the camp. Sorry, I think it, the, the word was actually out too, but I skipped two, so what are you going to do? Whenever Moses went out to the tent, all the people would rise up, and each would stand at his tent door and watch Moses until he had gone into the tent. When Moses entered the tent, the pillar of cloud would descend and stand at the entrance of the tent, and the Lord would speak with Moses. Man. And when all the people saw the pillar of cloud standing at the entrance of the tent, all the people would rise up and worship, each at his tent door. Thus the Lord used to speak to Moses face to face, as a man speaks to his friend. When Moses turned again into the camp, his assistant Joshua, the son of Nun, a young man, would not depart from the tent. So, God goes forward, does all these crazy things, hundreds of years, right? Then the children of Israel end up in Egypt, and they're blessed. And then a pharaoh rises up who did not remember Joseph, couldn't think of the word. I was like, it's a J name, right? It's something like that. So I started going through all of the J names in the Bible. It's Joseph. All right, I did all the work for you. 
a Pharaoh who did not remember Joseph nor the covenant that he had made with them. And so he began to be wicked to the people of Israel, right? And then they went through just awful things for generations and generations. For 400 years, they were slaves in Israel. Egypt. Guys, I need coffee. That's fake energy. Like, as I drink it, I'm going to get, like, more excited. And you guys say, oh, my God, the spirit's on him. No, it's, it's the caffeine. Trust me. <laughs> but hopefully the spirit's with me. I don't know. We'll see what happens. And, and, and there's that promise, right? There's that promise ever before them, and they're slaves, and God is standing there holding on to that promise, and then boom, he brings forward Moses in about different BC and says, man, you're going to lead these people out, and you're going to show them 10 different miracles and signs from the heavens, and when they're leaving afterwards, I'm, first off, I'm going to keep them safe. They're not going to get touched by any of it, and when they leave, the Egyptians are going to want you gone so much, they're going to give you all of their treasures, so you're going to leave rich. Oh, and also, Pharaoh's going to come at you with one of the mightiest armies of this time, and I'm just going to drown them all. Okay, cool, yeah, and I'm also going to move a sea open, and you're going to walk through on dry ground, and then when you get to the other side, I'm going to take care of you, get to the promised land. Uh, okay, sounds good. And then as they go through it, right, God just keeps showing up and showing up and showing up. And for some reason, we're 33 chapters into Exodus, right? The Passover, right? <laughs> when the angel of death comes over and passes over all of the children of Israel, happens in chapter 12. Guys, this is 19 chapters later in the Old Testament. That's a lot of time, and they still are not getting it. God would still call them in chapter 33, you stiff-necked people. And yet with Moses, what do we see Moses doing? Before anything stated, it said Moses would take a tent called the tent of meeting. Why? Because he would meet God there. He'd get away from the people and he'd set up a tent and he would speak to God face to face in the pillar of cloud, that thing that would lead the children of Israel through the wilderness during the day, would stand there. Almost as though God was saying, you follow me during the day, follow me here. My presence is here. Continue to follow. If you really want to follow me, Here's the marker. Follow me. And Moses would go in there and speak. And Joshua would go in there and listen. And when Moses would leave and talk to the people, Joshua would stay and listen. And the people would from afar off watch, think it's awesome, and worship God. But they'd stand at the entrance of their tent and they wouldn't go. See, a lot of us in here are so content with standing at the entrance of the tent watching from afar off while someone else has a breakthrough with God, while someone else has an amazing relationship with God, while someone else gets spoken to by God. And then when they get the revelation and they come out and they talk to us, man, that's awesome. I'm blessed. I'm just going to go home. Man, I love sitting in my chair. I'll put my money in the tithe bucket. I'll go home. I'll read my Bible like every single day, which is awesome. But not everybody does that, but you know, like really it should be every day. And so people are like, you know, I'll read my, my chapter a day. I'll go through my Bible devotional on my version app. Shout out to Life Church. Awesome church. Love them. Doing great things. And, you know, that's it. I'll try to do the best that I can. I'll only cuss three times. I'll only flip one person off on the freeway. You know what I mean? I'll only yell at my kids five times. You know, I'll only kick my dog once. And when I come into church on Sunday, yes, mom, it happens. And when I come into church on Sunday, I mean, I don't kick the dog. When I come into church on Sunday, <laughs> PETA, please don't get mad at me. <laughs> Though they're not really going to be able to do anything. I've seen the people who work for PETA. It's just, I'm fine. Like, I'm fine. You know what I mean? What are you going to do? I'll lift like five of you guys. I, I, I lift heavy steel pipe for a living every single, schedule 80, not yet, but soon. And, and, and I'm just like, Peter, what are you going to do to me? Seriously. But Peter, we love you and Jesus loves you. Okay. But then I'm going to come into church on Sunday, sit down, 
and experience someone else up here, which by the way, guys, I'm not that awesome. Please don't get all of your revelation from God from my mouth because I still need it too. Amen? <laughs> the, the weird thing is, is it, it's that Moses syndrome. They looked at Moses and they just idolized him. So much so that when Moses was gone for 40 days and 40 nights, they freaked out and thought, man, he's dead. Aaron, where is he? Oh, he's gone. Never mind. I was going to point at him, make him feel bad. Aaron, make us a god. He's like, I, I didn't know you could just make a god, but apparently that's a thing you can do. So they melted down all that gold, the gold that God had provided for them from the hands of the Egyptians. So that just blows my mind. And they made a golden calf and they worshipped it. And Moses comes down the mountain and he looks at this site and he's got the commandments in his arms and he gets so mad that he throws the commandments on the ground, a stone, and cracks the stone tablets in half. And I mean, it's just, you gotta be so mad to do that. Like, man, God, you gave me 10 commandments straight from your mouth. I'm gonna etch them right here in your presence for 40 days and 40 nights. What the heck is this? And just break it. Just broke the revelation of God on the floor. And then he melts it down and he makes them drink it with water. And man, the Old Testament's pretty, pretty gnarly. <laughs> but that's so crazy. So their relationship with God is through Moses. And so when Moses was gone, they all fell apart. You know, how many times have we done that, right? Like, I can't get a hold of this person, and I'm really going through it right now. I don't know who else to talk to. You know what? Whatever. I'm just going to handle this like I used to handle it. And you go right back to your sin, back to your scar. You go right back to your junk. You go right back to the things that used to mark you in the world. You go right back to your scars. You go right back to all that stuff. And you just pick it up over and over and over. And it's just a cycle. And you just always end up there, right? Same thing with the children of Israel. But not so with Joshua. See, Joshua, no one told him he had to do that. But he knew that, man, that, that's where I want to be. And he didn't go to Moses for a word. He went to God for a word. And when Moses would leave and go talk to the people because they're stiff-necked and they can't hear from God, Joshua would sit there and go, no, but, but I heard what Moses just heard, so I don't need to go with him because, God, I've already heard that word from you, right? And, and, and I'm going to sit here and I'm going to learn more from you because I believe I have a future. You know, we all love our family and we all love to quote that, but as for me and my house, we shall serve the Lord. You want to know who said that? Joshua. He said that over his family. Why? Because he knew the nature of God and he knew, you know what? You guys, after they divide the land of Israel and they give all the tribes all the land, he says, you guys can do whatever you want. I recommend you honor and serve God. But as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. And why? Because he knew that promise was for him because he resided in the presence of God. When Moses dies, we go immediately to Joshua chapter 1 and he stands there and God calls him up and he says, be strong and very courageous for I will go with you. Meditate in my law day and night. Amen. And Joshua did that. The entire book of Joshua, he made two mistakes. And both times there was a mistake, he went right to God, asked him for forgiveness and said, Lord, what do I do? What do I do for these people that you have given me? Amen. Amen. A man who went against the Moses syndrome and said, no, 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 I'm going to be a friend of God too. Amen. But we've still got a problem here. Because as awesome as that is, for some reason, a lot of us don't really like to pick up on that. You know, a, a lot of us don't feel like we deserve that. A lot of us don't feel like 
I deserve to be like Moses. I, I have this awesome story. Um, we used to go to this men's conference out in San Diego with the Kingdom Covenant Church, and um, there was this pastor, Pastor Tommy, um, man, I forgot his last name, Tommy Miller, love the guy, awesome, super powerful, large church in San Diego, loves the Lord, he goes on all these crusades out in Africa, thousands of people get saved, you would never guess it, he is the most humble, he's one of the most humble people I've ever met in my entire life, and he goes up there and he preaches and he talks, and it's just a good time, and you have a great time, and you get all this breakthrough, and you feel like, man, you know what, I can do what he does, right? I remember I'm sitting there with Pastor Wes, and he's got all these stories that he's telling of, you know, when, when he... When he raised the dead two times, which blows my mind, and if that freaks you out, I'm sorry, but I'm also not sorry. And uh, the first time was amazing, but the second time, he was just at dinner with his wife and some pastors, and a lady starts screaming because her baby's gone, and he's just sitting there eating. And his wife goes, Tommy, and he's like, what? And she goes, like, aren't you going to do something about it? And he says, he's like, he's like, honey, like, I can't do anything unless God tells me to. He's like, I, I can't go over there and do that unless I know God's with me. And then the Lord speaks to him and says, go do it. And he walks over and he takes the baby from the lady's arms and he prays for it and the baby cries. And everyone freaks out and he goes back to the table, he sits down and he starts eating his food. And his wife looks at him and goes, and, and he's like, what? And she's like, what do you mean what? Like, what was that? And he goes, God talked to me and he told me to go do it, right? <laughs> and I remember hearing these stories and sitting down with Pastor Wes and he kind of leans over to me in the middle of his sermon, which don't do this, guys. It's disrespectful. Don't talk during the sermons. But, you know, we did. So anyways, um, he leans over and he goes, you know what I think it is, man? I think Pastor Tommy's a friend of God. I think that's just why he carries himself like that. He has a friendship with God. And I was like, yeah, you are so right. That's nail on the head right there. Sorry, I just accidentally got excited. I chomped down on my cough dropping and it freaked me out because it was really loud in my ear and I was like what was that did I break a tooth but no <laughs> I ain't been to the dentist in a while you know what I mean like I drink a bottle of water and I smell it because I want to make sure it's mine and it smells like a wet dog and I'm like yeah that's my water all right <laughs> I wish I was joking man good lord my poor wife <laughs> it's a weird thing us guys do we have to smell everything I don't know why it's like that. We're not moving to that because it's just going to get gross. So anyways, so, so, so I stand up at the end, and everyone's getting prayer. And I see no one's at Pastor Tommy, and I'm like, you guys are a bunch of idiots because if this guy's here, I'm getting prayer for him, right? Like, like absolutely. So I walk up, and he's like, oh, what do you need, man of God? And I say, man, I want what you have. And he goes, yeah, you already have it, man. And I was like, no, 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 I got you. But he, and he goes, no, 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 you already have it. And then in that instant, you can think, okay, this guy's amazing and powerful. He says I already have what, what he has. That means I'm, I'm where he's at. That means I'm destined to do the things that he's done. Wow, that means I'm set apart from all the rest of these people. No, nope, that's wrong. That's wrong because, man, that's, that, that's not what he meant. He, he looks me in the eyes as this is all running through my head. I'm like, oh, my God, I'm, 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 I'm called to nations, great things. And he says, no, no, no. He's like, you have the same spirit that I have. Everything you need, everything I need. It's already inside of you. And then he prayed for me. And it was nothing crazy and magnanimous. And he didn't say, you're going to reach millions of people. And you're going to write all these books. And you're going to have all these cars. And you're going to, you know, do all that kind of stuff. It was just that God would use me. And that blew my mind right there. And I just began to sit there and think, so the only thing that sets me apart from Pastor Tommy is he believes in his relationship with God. 
and I don't. Amen? And, 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 and how many of us are kind of at that place, right? Let's just for a moment, let's just look at the heart of Moses really quick. Uh, Exodus 33, let's go verse 11 and, and on. And um, I don't think we'll read the entire chapter, but I'll tell you when to stop. Thus the Lord used to speak to Moses face to face as a man speaks to his friend. When Moses turned again into his camp, his assistant Joshua, the son of Nun, a young man, would not depart from the tent. And here's just where it gets crazy. The way Moses talks to God, you'd be like, how dare you? But Moses said to the Lord, see, you say to me, bring up this people, but you have not let me know whom you will send with me. Yet you have said, I know you by name. And you have also found favor in my sight. So he's like, God, you've said all these things about me, but you haven't told me who you're sending with me. Now, therefore, if I have found favor in your sight, please show me now your ways that I may know you in order to find favor in your sight. Consider, too, that this nation is your people. And he said, that being Moses, sorry, no, that being God, my presence will go with you and I will give you rest. And he said to him, if your presence will not go with me, do not bring us up from here. For how shall it be known that I have found favor in your sight, I and your people? Is it not in your going with us so that we are distinct, I and your people, from every other people on the earth? And the Lord said to Moses, this very thing that you have spoken, I will do. For you have found favor in my sight, and I know you by name. Moses said, please show me your glory. And he said, I will make all my goodness pass before you and will, pro and will proclaim before you my name, the Lord. And I will be gracious to whom I will be gracious and will show mercy on whom I will show mercy. And we'll stop right there. Man, that was the heart of Moses right there. You know, God, I'm going to go before you and I'm just going to say, God, you promised this and you promised this and you've said this, God. But how do I know that's really going to happen? I need you to show me, God. I need you to go with me because I can't do this without you. Just that real honest and just humble. And people would say, man, he sounds angry. No, Moses is honest and there's stress and there's things weighing on him, right? And you sit there and all of us, wherever we're at, maybe we don't have the same burdens as Moses, but we still have burdens, right? And pain and stress, man, that's relative to a person, man. We all experience it differently. And he says, man, God, I can't do this. I cannot do this. You've promised it, but how will I know it will come to pass, God? I need to see it. You will say, man, that's a lack of faith. No, no, no. He's going to God and saying, Lord, this is what I need because I want to believe in you more. And God says, I will go with you. My presence will go with you. And I know you by name. And then Moses says, show me your glory. And God says, yeah, I'll do that. I'll make my glory pass before you. And I'll shout my name that goes before you. The Lord, which is Yahweh, which is I am that I am, the self-existent one. Hallelujah is hallelujah, Yahweh. Amen. No matter what, I am before you and all the praises unto me. And I will stand before you and I will lead you on, right? But why did Moses have that confidence? And why did Joshua have that confidence sitting there in the corner and watching and listening to this conversation? Because they resided in the presence of God and they had the audacity to believe that God would want to be with them. But man, we get stuck in that place of, man, God doesn't want to hang out with me like them because they're awesome and I'm not. Because they're good. They just get things. You know, they're charismatic. They're funny. People like them. You know, they read the Bible so much better, man. They sing so much better than me. Man, they're just humble and I just fake it. You know what I mean? Like, I just pretend like I'm humble, but at the end of the day, I'm just not humble. I'm just not like them. You know what I mean? Like, I'm just not like these people. I just, I just don't get it. I have to force myself to go to church. God doesn't want to be with that. He would not be seen with me. And that is so wrong. 
that is just so wrong. There's this story in the Bible where a Gentile woman goes forward and says, my daughter is sick. In fact, it says she's a, she's a Syrophoenician, which that's where the Samaritans came from. And the Jews hated the Samaritans. They hated them. And this woman that the Samaritans came out of goes forward and says, would you heal my daughter? And he says, no, the bread is given to the children. And then she didn't know he was setting her up, right? And then she says, yes, but even the dogs get to eat the crumbs from the children's table. And he says, you're absolutely right. Go your way. Your daughter is healed. Amen. See, this woman that in their culture should have been gone and away from them, right? And there's so many more stories, right? The woman at the well, the woman with the issue of blood, right? The woman, Mary Magdalene, whom Jesus cast seven demons out of. People believe that she was a prostitute, man. She's filthy and she's demon-possessed. Are you kidding me? No, no, no. God touched her too. God touched all of them. You want to know why? Because God doesn't care. God doesn't care what you've been through. It's meant to be a testimony to bring others into the kingdom of God. It's meant to strengthen you. It's not meant to hold you back. It's meant to make you go more towards him. This whole week, I've been like, God, I can't get up on that stage and talk to them about friendship if I feel like I don't even have a good friendship with you. So every single day, Lord, I said, please tell me, Lord, what friendship is about, God? What is friendship like with you? What is friendship like with you? And you want to know what? Sometimes I'd pray for a long time. Sometimes I'd pray for a short time. But each time I would pray before God, and you know what? I felt like each time that I prayed to God, no matter how much time I spent, God just loved being there. And I just realized, man, I don't have to sit there and say these and thous and make all these things and just quote scripture at you, God. I can just be honest and say, you know what, Lord? I'm having a hard time, God. I'm angry, God. I don't like the things that are going on in my life, Lord. And I don't mean to be rude, God, but I just need your help. And you know what? God makes it all better. I was standing at work, middle of a construction site, and it said, Lord, you've spoken all these things over me. I read your word. I believe these things, Lord, but I'm having doubts right now. Man, I, I just don't think these things are for me that people have said are for me. I, I think people have gotten it wrong, honestly. You know, that's, that's, that's a pretty prideful thing to say, but I, I was honest. You know, I, I think I'm right, and I think that they're wrong. But I said, but God, I just need you to show me. And that night, three or four people reconfirmed everything over me that I had been struggling with, and they had no idea. I texted a couple of people and said, hey, guys, I'm having a hard time today at work. They didn't tell them with what. And you want to know what happened, man? God met me at that construction site. I had peace, and I didn't have an answer, but I had peace. And that was enough of an answer. And I thought, you know what? It's going to be okay. Like, it's just going to be okay. And I go to that meeting that we had, and afterwards, everyone kind of left my house, and I sat there, and I was like, you know what? How was it, God? You met me because you're my friend. And because I told you I needed something, and you were there like any good friend would be. It doesn't matter that I doubted you. All that matters is that I went to you. Amen? Amen? Each and every one of us is supposed to be a friend of God. John 15, 11 through 15. These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may be in you, and that your joy may be full. That was... Um, referencing in John 14 when he says if you ask anything in my name I will give it to you and talking about how he is the way the truth and the life how he goes before us to prepare a place for us right meaning he's going to come back for us he's telling us all these promises and then he says this is my commandment that you love one another as I have loved you greater love has no one than this that someone lays down his life for his friends pause has Jesus laid down his life for you you're his friend because he laid down his life for his friends Next verse. You are my friends if you do what I command you. 
right? No longer do I call you servants, for the servant does not know what his master is doing. But I have called you friends, for all that I have heard from my father, I have made known to you. Wow. See, we get to understand the mysteries of God. The book of Proverbs says it is the honor of God to hide a matter, but it is the honor of a king to search the matter out. And we look at that and we say, cool, man, that's for those people that are supposed to be the awesome preachers and pastors and the counselors. Nope, 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 nope. The Bible says that we are a kingdom of priests, right? The Bible says that we have that kingship and we have that priesthood before God. So therefore, it is your honor to seek these things out. It is your honor to understand things. Jesus even says, little children, don't you know it is your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom of God? That's amazing, right? When all the disciples are sitting around and just like what, what you were talking about with all the parables, why, why would you teach in all these parables? And he says, I teach to them because they can't understand, but I'll teach to you because for you it has been given the mysteries of the kingdom of God. That's to us. You know what? Heaven's a mystery. Salvation is a mystery. My love is a mystery, but not to you because you're my friends and I want you to know things. Servants don't know what the master is doing, but friends do and you get to understand everything. You just got to spend time with me. You just got to get to know me. You just got to put a little bit of effort in there, guys. With that little bit of faith, that little bit of trial, that little bit of endurance, that little bit of sweat, guys, just that little bit pushing it forward, it grows and it grows and it grows. And it takes you into the thing that God has called you to be. Amen? See, I've, I've, I've struggled with that for years. It took me so long to establish a regular prayer life. We would, we'd be in the intern program and we, we'd have all these uh, prayers before our classes. And man, I'd sit there and I'd just pace. Obviously, you can see I'm a pacer. That's all I've done for the entire time I've been up here. I just pace. I get on the phone. What do I do, babe? I stand up and I just walk through the house and I have like a pattern and I have like tile and like hardwood and I have to stand like on the exact spots. Otherwise, it drives me nuts. People would say, you know, that, that means you have like, like a complex. And I say, I rebuke you, demon, in Jesus' name. So, you know, that is what that is, right? You go ahead. I'm the head and not the tail. I have no complex. You back up. Anyway, so I'm a pacer. Um, <laughs> Not that terrible basketball team. I don't like the Pacers. They've never done anything to me. I just, I just like um, the Thunder, and so I don't like any other team in the world. So that's that. Because the Thunder used to be the Seattle Supersonics, so I ain't no poser because they did good against Miami. You know, come on, back up, guys. All right, I got my roots somewhere. <laughs> I don't even like basketball. <laughs> trying to talk to Elias. And I was like, yeah, man, you got a Seahawks jersey on? I love football. And he goes, I don't like football. I like basketball. And I was like, well, that's, that's that then. How's that conversation gone? <laughs> but anyways, I, 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 I would just pace, and I would just pace, and I would just pace, and I would just think rather than talk. And I would cry because I was so frustrated because there was all this bad stuff going on in my life. And here I was in a church thinking I had the audacity to look clean and perfect and put together. And I sat there and just the pressure was building and building and building. And all I could think of was like, man, I just, I have so much stress and I don't know how to get it out. And instead of talking to God, I just thought. And I just thought, and I thought, and years went by, and I kept thinking, and I kept thinking, and I struggled with sins, and I got onto a leadership team at that church, and I got into a, a, a staff membership position. I was getting paid to work at a church, which is awesome. That's really cool. But then I just wasn't praying, and I was reading my word a little bit, and I just wasn't getting into it, and I just was not going to God with the things going on, and I was going nowhere, and I was going there very, very, very fast. 
And I think that resonates with a lot of us in here. You know, we sit there and we go, God, I'm putting forward all this effort and nothing's happening. And I, I was watching this show with, with my mom years ago. It's, you know, Kitchen Nightmares with Gordon Ramsay. It's raw! You know, yeah, all that good stuff. <laughs> it's so bloody, I could have stopped and walk out of here, right? You know, all that good stuff. I love Gordon Ramsay. He's, he's so amazing. I, I want to meet him. I love that guy. I just, I just get him. You know what I mean? I just get him. When he yells, I'm like, I understand. People, am I right? <laughs> I'm just joking. I'm kind of. Um, but so he's looking at these two like Armenian brothers who are running a, a, you know, a Louisiana kitchen in New Orleans, and it's bad. And like, there's all these bad things going on. And there's one brother who's smart and, like, humble, and he actually wants to help. So he actually reached out and said, hey, can you help us out with our restaurant? The other brother's like, this is Nolens. But he has, like, a, a, like, an Armenian accent when he sang it. And, and so they're getting in each other's face, and they're, like, yelling. And he leaves, and Gordon Ramsay says, you're a busy idiot. And he said, I'm not an idiot. And he said, yes, you are. You're a busy idiot. He's like, yeah, I work hard all the time. He's like, exactly. You're working hard in all the wrong places. And when I heard that, I was just like, man, isn't that so true? We put forward all this hard work. We say, God, I'm just, I'm working so hard at my job, and I'm trying to be a good Christian. God, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to be there for my family. God, I believe you've called me to do things, and here I am putting forward effort, God. Look at my effort, look at my effort, look at my effort. But last time I checked, the book of Ephesians says, for it was by grace that you were saved, not of good works lest any man should boast. But though the book of James does say faith without works is dead, that's not what he's talking about right there. These works have to be attached to your faith. And sometimes we work, but it's attached to nothing. It's actually attached to our fear. Man, I work so hard, God. I push in so hard, God. I, I pour out so much yeah, you pour out so much in all these areas that you're not supposed to pour out in, but you would know where you're supposed to pour out in if you just took a minute just to sit down and be with me. If you were just open and honest with me. And this isn't a put-down message, guys, and I don't want anyone to think you guys should be put down for anything, guys. This is a, hey, guys, let's check our pulse really quick. Let's see what's going on. Is there an area of our life that's lacking? Yeah? Let's fix it then. Amen? Let's go to God with it and say, God, I've got nothing without you, God. I love that song, Nothing Else We Sang Today, Lord. I have nothing without you, God. There's this song by Will Reagan, and I love it so much. And in it, he says, I'm nothing without you. I'm barely breathing. And man, those words have hit home with me for years of my life. People look at it and say, man, you're so dramatic. No, I'm just honest before God. God, I'm I know me. <laughs> I've lived with my best efforts and my best intentions my entire life, God. And if I don't have you in the midst of it, Lord, it's all nothing, God. It's ashes. It's trash. It's, it's garbage, God. It's rubbish. That's what the Apostle Paul says, right? He says, I'm all these amazing things. He said, I was born into the uh, tribe of Benjamin. Oh, wow, that's pretty cool. Yeah, the first king came out of that. Saul, that's awesome. He's like, I was circumcised on the eighth day, as is customary, right? Raised up at the feet of Gamaliel. Anyone who was a Jew knew, wow, Gamaliel's freaking awesome, right? Yeah, I was a Pharisee, and I had zeal. My zeal, outmatched by no one. My compassion, outmatched for no one. I went forward, and I persecuted the Christian church because I believed it was what I was supposed to do. And I sought after God with all my heart. You want to know what he said? It was all rubbish because none of it was right and none of it was what he was, he was supposed to do. It was not good until he was on that road to Damascus and God met him in his sin. 
and said, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? And he said, who are you, Lord? And he said, I am Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Amen? See, God wants to meet you in your junk, not in your best efforts, not in your best intentions, not in what you can lay up for yourself. God wants to meet you in your disaster. God wants to meet you in your wrongdoings, and he wants to show you how to do right. And he wants to take you from that place so you don't have to be a repeat offender. Did Paul make a lot of mistakes after? Plenty. And he repented in the book of Acts. You're like, an apostle? Yes, an apostle repented for doing wrong. Someone slapped him and he said, the Lord rebuke you, you whitewashed tomb. Meaning you're dead, you're empty, there's no life in you. And you want to know what someone said? That's the high priest. The high priest was wrong, but... Paul sat there and was like, you know what? But God has called me to respect authority. He would even write that in the book of Romans, which he would write very shortly. And he said, forgive me. I didn't know who I was talking to. This guy just slapped you across the face. <laughs> See, it's because Paul knew God's heart. Paul knew God's heart for authority. And he said, I know it doesn't look right to other people, but I know what I'm supposed to do. Why? Because I've spent time with the Lord. Every single, every single epistle, it says, I have been in intercession for you, and I cannot wait to meet you. I burn with a joy for you, just as our Lord burns for a joy for you, to have that heart. But I, 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 I just, I got a secret for you guys. All of us can do that. All of us can have that. You may sit there and say, well, I don't want that. That, that sounds kind of boring. I understand, and we've all got to start somewhere. But just start before God, and maybe you just tell God that. You know what, Lord? I hate to get before you and say this. I just don't care. But I go to church and I read the Bible sometimes and I read and I hear the exact opposite of how I feel. So can you just help me? Can you just help me to care? To even begin to want to care about any of these people? To begin to even have compassion on the homeless guy on the side of the street? Why should I give him my money? I worked hard for it. He did nothing. He messed his own life up. Why should I have to help him? I don't understand these things, God, but I read your word and I see your word says different. Lord, please give me compassion for these people and he'll do it. You ask for patience, he'll do it. You ask for love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control, the fruit of the spirit right there. Man, God will do that. Why? Because that is what comes out of him. And with the fruit of the spirit, there's nothing, there's nothing beyond your reach. Amen. There's no person you can't talk to. It doesn't matter if you have tattoos or no tattoos. It doesn't matter if you struggled with drugs or you didn't struggle with drugs. It doesn't matter if you waited till your wedding night to have sex or if you were promiscuous all of your years. It doesn't matter because God will use his spirit through you to do extraordinary things. We just have to be willing and open and honest and want it. Amen? And we just have to have a willing heart. And that comes with friendship with God. God wants you to be his friend. In fact, he's already said you're his friend. The only person stopping that friendship is yourself. It's me. It's you. It's all of us. Someone said it to me one time. They said, you're your own worst enemy. And I said, yeah, you're absolutely right. Can I tell you something, though? I used to think, man, that was just me. It's all of us. We all self-sabotage. And it's okay join the club. You're in great company in here. Who's a messed up person in here? Can I see some hands? <laughs> Amen. We all got problems, guys. But can we maybe go after God together? 
Can we maybe try to reach after and, and, and just get into his presence together? Amen. Aaron, just go ahead and sing that song. Um, just go ahead and stand up. Let's just worship God right now. You know, let's just proclaim to God his goodness right now. Because it, it, something I notice is it's so much easier to do things when you have people helping you out. And maybe you're in this place and, and you think, man, I'm having such a hard time with my relationship with God. And I'm not going to ask you to raise your hands. I'm just going to ask you to worship. And if you're in this place and you feel like, you know, I feel like I'm good with God right now, then you know what? Let's just worship, amen? And let's just worship and just believe that his presence is going to come in here. You know, it's something weird. I was, I, was, I was going over my sermon last night, and I just was like, all right, that's it. I just closed it up, and I was like, God's just going to show up. You know what I mean? Like, like I just really feel like God's just going to meet us in here. Why? How, how could I talk about him being a great friend, and how could God not want to show up? You know what I mean? If there's one thing I know about God, it's that God loves the glory. It's that God loves to be glorified. Why? Because he deserves it. People might say, man, that's prideful. It's only prideful if there's someone better than you. There's no one better than God, amen? There's no one more brilliant than God. There's no one more loving than God. Man, he is and all things come from him. All things exist because of him. All things exist through him, amen? In fact, the book of John would say nothing was made that was made without him, amen? He's everything, amen? If we're going to come in here, if we're going to proclaim his goodness, man, he's going to be with us. Amen? We just got to praise through our problems. And we just got to believe, man, if you love me so much to send your only son to die for me, then I think that means that you'll, that you'll show up. Why? Because he's invested in us. Does anyone here think God is a foolish investor? I don't. I think if he invests something, it's because he, he wants it to grow. And if he invested one time, he'll invest a second time, and a third time, and a fourth time. You want to know why I know this? Because the Bible says, he who began a good work in you is faithful to the end to complete it. Has God began a good work in you? Do you feel a change in your life at all? Have you witnessed anything? Have you received his word? Yeah? Then he's going to complete it because his word says that he is faithful. And his word also says that he is faithful even when we are unfaithful. For he cannot deny who he is. Guys, don't worry about that. God's just ministering to him right now. See, us all getting distracted, right? It, God's moving right now, amen? Just let God move, amen? This should just be second nature to us. Oh, the Holy Spirit moves in and people get blasted. Yeah, why isn't it second nature to us? Because we've just overthought everything, right? Let's just get back to the presence of God. Let's just get back to where we started, right? Let's go back to the point of our first love. Book of Revelation, he talks to the church of Ephesus and says, you know, all these great things, but I have this against you. You've forgotten your first love. But what does he say? Return. That's all he says. Return to me. That's all I want. I just want you to come back. Let's go back to his presence right now. Amen. Caught up in your presence. Oh, I'm not here for blessing. 
Nothing else, nothing else. 
we love you. God, we're so grateful. Um, God, that we just got to be here with you today. Um, God, that you would just meet with, uh, with us, God. You could do so many things, God, and yet you want to be here with us, Father. 
And I, I don't think you'll, we'll ever have enough time to really wrap our heads around that, God. I don't think eternity is long enough, God, for us to understand why you did what you did and why you would pay that price, God, and why you just love us so much, God. But, you know, the awesome thing is we just have to accept it, God. And I thank you, Lord, it's so easy to accept your love, Father. And I thank you, God, that you meet us here in this place, God. And even though we say, God, that nothing else, God, we just want you, Lord, you, you just still give, God, because you can't stop being who you are, Lord. So, Father, we just seal this word, God. We just seal this time of worship, God. We just seal this moment, Lord, with you, Father God, and, and just in your mighty name of Jesus Christ. And, Lord, I just pray that you'd bless each and every person here, God, that we wouldn't just hear a word and go on, maybe even live it for five or six or seven days, but, God, that we would truly believe that you want to be with us, God, and that we would chase you down with everything we've got, Lord. As the Apostle Paul said, Lord, that I run the race to win the prize of the upward call in you, God, that having forgotten the things that were before and leaving them behind, I press on towards you, Father God. I press on towards you, God, because you are everything, Lord. We cry out for that heart, God, and I pray for that heart in each and every one of us, God. God, that you'd protect us and bless us and keep us safe, Lord. And we love you, Father. In Jesus' mighty name, amen.